Okay, well, I think we're rolling, so, um, yeah. Any final requests, James, before we begin? No. Right. I don't request. <laughs> for this torment again. <laughs> yeah. What would you like for your last meal? And your best meal. <laughs> okay, when you ready, Matt, go. Welcome to episode 44 of The Picky Bastards, the podcast where we take music far too seriously and we don't take each other seriously at all. Um, as always, I'm joined by Nick. Hello. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Very good. Very excited to talk about some music. Mm. Um, and we're going to be talking with uh, about music with James Spearing. Hello. 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 Good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Hello. So, for those of you who don't know, James is one of the editors on the PiggyBees.com. Yeah. He's, he's been on, been been on here... once before, haven't you? Is it, is it twice yeah, or once? Time. Just once before, yeah, yeah. About a year ago. Yeah. Mm. So we don't, we don't need to do all the intro questions or anything like that. No. I think the only thing we need to update people on is you like dry cleaning and you're the only one. <laughs> and Tom. And, well, yeah. There are two of us. <laughs> two. You're not alone. Could you just do one podcast without mentioning it again? As long as we get through a podcast without doing in the shadow of, that's I just don't want that in <laughs> yeah. the shadow of ever to be this fucking referred to again. Too basically. late. Yeah, I fucked this up. This is the new meta. The dry cleaning <laughs> is the new meta. God for that. Take me off the pressure off me now. Okay. So any, anyway, we're going to be talking about um, some music this time, um, as for, as per usual, and uh, we have six albums, and I'm just going to list them out. We have the new releases: Dean Blunt, Vigil. Um, Kelly with The Waves Part 2 uh, Laura and Vula with Pink Noise Stubborn Heart with Made of Static Then we have the classic release Which is Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814 And James is going to be talking about a band he loves Which is New Young Pony Club In the form of a playlist um, And so to get things going I'm going to start by asking James a question and that question is, what album was the flattest? Great question, I've got to say. You've done well there. After this many years of doing episodes, it's hard to think of new questions, so that's quite cool. Yeah. Jump in there on that. Well, yeah. I, 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 have, I have a big list of adjectives surrounding music <laughs> that I can use. So, James, the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. I've been, we've been talking over you, so... Yeah, no, we do that. Let me answer the damn question. Mm. <laughs> um, so, I think there's a bit of a toss-up between Stubborn Heart and Dean Blunt. Um, but on balance, because there was there were some surprises on the Dean Blunt, and for me the Stubborn Heart was disappointing. So I'm going to go with Stubborn Heart mm. as the flattest. Mm. Um, and the reason why, every single album on this list um, I had no trouble listening to. It held my attention, things were catching my ear. I could be doing anything else, I could be working, I could be cooking, I could be driving, whatever. Stubborn Heart, every single time, I had to sort of kick myself back into listening to it it just sort of drifted out of my consciousness mm. so I had to think, oh I'm supposed to be concentrating on this album I've got to talk about it in a week um, and it just really didn't really didn't hold my attention um, and the reason it was disappointing is um, I really liked their first album it came out about eight years ago and then they completely disappeared so it took me a surprise that, that uh, they were going to bring out a new one this year um, and uh, I don't know if so sorry, you were a fan of the previous work, you're saying? The yeah, yeah, I really ago. liked it, right, I really right. liked it. Um, yeah. I think I'd, I'd come to it in a different way because I'd heard maybe two or three songs that I really liked before I got the album. This way one, this time around, um, it was completely out of the blue. There was no sort of prep for it. Um, 
and yeah, there were a couple of tracks that stood out, but not not anywhere near as 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 good as as the last one. Um, I mean, I really wanted to like it more, being previously a fan, but mm. this just didn't really feel like it had, had made any progress in the eight years that they'd been away. Mm. Um, it was like not even album one, part two. It was like the songs that didn't make it onto the first album. You wow. know, um, just a bit. Uh, yeah, B-side. A bit dull. And yeah, and just just like I said, it just wouldn't keep hold my attention. Mm. Um, the only thing that did hold my attention uh, for the wrong reasons was on uh, the song, what was it, Everything Matters. So mm. if you heard those, you know, those smart doorbells you can get, the ones that you can like link up to your phone yeah. and you can yeah. see who's at your door. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's a noise in the middle of that song that it sounds exactly <laughs> like one of those doorbells ringing. And that's all I could think about. And that just, it just put me right off. <laughs> Well, and then maybe, another maybe one. Someone, someone rang on his door in the middle of production. Maybe. Yeah, what yeah, with yeah. yeah. punch on you when you're yeah, making music. Yeah. So. And then there's just some sort of odd lyrics in there as well. There's one um, song uh, about Stephanie, and it's like some weird um, minor misdemeanor in the office, like about Stephanie being late again. <laughs> Watch out for the boss. It's just odd. Yeah. Just really odd. <laughs> like, why is that in a song? Didn't get it. So yeah, flat, mm. flat, flat. Okay. Okay. I'm disappointing. Right. Uh, cool. Matt, you want to go or me? Well, you, you jump in. Okay. So um, I quite strongly disagree on this album, uh, which is a good start, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I, first of all, I have no context for the previous album. Don't know them at all, uh, so I can't speak to whether this is better or worse or B-sides or any of that stuff. But to me, um, this album uh, was quite refreshingly inventive, actually. Um, so in that sense, certainly not flat, I've got to be honest. Um, and I think it was, it was still... It managed to do a, quite a good job of balancing between being inventive in certain respects, but also being melodically clear at a, at a good deal of the time. So it wasn't like, it didn't sort of fall apart. It, it still held together as tracks, but it had some interesting both sounds and production styles and song arcs and stuff like that. So uh, I always thought the vocals were, were nice. I like the vocals. Um, I think there's two songs in particular, Proves to Be and Against the Tide, which work together as kind of a one-two sort of high point mm-hmm. in the album, although I realise they're, they're fairly early on, aren't they? But um, there are some tracks that do fall flat, um, for me, like I think uh, everything matters. I found it a bit kind of grating and incoherent, to be honest. Um, but I still felt like it was and it's quite got a doorbell noise in the middle. That's the one with the doorbell, is it? I've got the yeah. one over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really pick up on the doorbell, but maybe that is the reason it was grating. Yeah. Um, but I think they I still felt like at least they were trying to take some small risks. I felt like they were doing something a bit unusual. Um, and, and that's really why I was drawn to it. And I probably will go back to this, actually. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm absolutely in love with it, but um, I thought it had some interesting things to say, uh, musically speaking. I, I wasn't particularly drawn lyrically to anything, um, but I thought it was interesting musically. And um, we'll come into the context of how it fits with the rest of this playlist, but um, I think it's quite interesting um, in that respect as well. So we'll come back to that, I suppose. Yeah, so that was me on that I one. Think it still is, yeah. I think it still is interesting. Mm. The thing, I don't disagree with the things you say about the, the vocal style. No, you, you need to disagree. I'm sorry, that's not allowed. We've already <laughs> gone through that. You can't <laughs> yeah. change I'm doing, the record now. I'm doing different things, but coming from someone who knew the first album really well and hearing all that stuff being new eight years right. ago. I see what you're saying. And just doing it again now. Mm. Just meh. That, would, that would definitely have ruined it for me. I see what you're saying, but obviously mm. I'm not yeah. aware at all. It it's definitely, if you like experience. it, it definitely go yeah. back to that first album. Really? Okay. Yeah. What's the first one called again? Do you remember? Ooh, I can't remember. Maybe okay, it's just called Stubborn Heart, actually. Okay, I'll look it up. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, there was very much a moment when you were talking about it, James, where you let out this sigh <laughs> that... I recognise so much from like coming back to an artist or an artist comes back with an album and yeah. you're just like, 
this is it. Um, <laughs> and I think for my overall feelings on this album is very much in between you guys. Mm. I, I thought, it, again, you used to use that word interesting. There were moments where I was just like, oh, that's cool. Mm. Um, especially the start of the album, um, which I think Nick already picked up on. Mm. I think it's an album of two halves. Um, the beginning, it's like it's, it's there's a lot of like shifting and morphing, and there's some cool songs you've already picked up on the um, that two, that that pairing of uh, proves to be and against the tide, and it's I really like how anxiety inducing uh, uh, proves to be is, and then it's just goes to against the tide, which is mm. just fun. And it's very like a very fun song. Yep. Um, but then like halfway through the album, maybe two thirds of the way, I don't, I don't know. It just like it just goes down a couple gears and just never recovers, and it it's like they're just coasting to the end, and they've already put the effort in, and it's just like kind of just let's, so, sorry, let's was, just see this out. Nice was and easy. this an example then where you were into the the previous album, or are you talking about just generally when that happens uh, to you? Oh uh, no, no, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't um, okay. right, right, right. heard heard them before. Uh, yeah, I was talking with James's side was just very <laughs> recognizable for me. <laughs> I know for mean, other yeah. instances where I've been let down. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, so like, I feel like this had enough for me to like grab onto for this playlist, Mm. um, but definitely not enough for me to look back. Um, But maybe, maybe if if the the other album is significantly better, then Mm. it'll be worth me uh, looking that one up instead. Mm. Um, But yeah, I feel like this hit such a merge of styles that I should have been into it. Yeah, Um, I'm quite surprised. It feels like. Well, it, yeah, because it's almost like subtract means James Blake meets I don't know mm. Bath yeah. or something, mm. um, but it's just yeah, interesting to start with and then just like drops off. Right. So that started well. <laughs> Nick, shall we switch to you and I <laughs> ask you uh, what album you thought was the most active? Yeah, um, again, good question. I think uh, I thought about it. Uh, actually, it was fairly easy to answer for me. I suppose the Laura Mavuda. Um, uh, the yeah. Pink Noise album. Um, I had uh, been a big fan of the Mercury nominated one, Sing to the Moon, which I don't think it was the first, yeah. maybe it was the second, I can't remember. That that one I thought was fantastic. Uh, she had a really, really striking voice uh, and she had amazing like, harmony work, like three or four layered harmonies on that album. Um, and this album uh, strikes me as a major departure. Um, it's got a lot of the same harmony work, but it's far more um, kind of hard-hitting and energetic, uh, kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, da- the dancey, the danceable kind of energy behind it is very noticeable, which is why I thought that active was the right word to use, you know, yeah. in reference yeah. to it. Um, so uh, it was clearly still her voice, but she's got a lot of different instrumentation set up behind it, so it was much less delicate. Um, I thought it was a refreshing change of direction overall, uh, even though I like the last one. I think I preferred the last one, um, but I still think it was kind of fun. Uh, I say energetic, as I said. And um, again, <laughs> it's difficult because we're starting off early with the, on the discussion, but in relation to some of the other albums on this list, I think uh, I want to come back to talk about it a bit later as well because I think it has some interesting um, sort of differences from some of the people we're going to be talking about. So, um, yeah, but no, I, I think it was I think it was strong and I, I will listen to it again. Um, but in a was one of those albums where it kind of made me partly feel like remind me to go back to sing to the moon <laughs> rather than yeah. listen to this one as much as I might, you know, but it's still, it was, it was definitely solid and um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon, James? Um, so yeah, I agree definitely that it is very fun um, and very, definitely very active. There is a lot going on, mm. big, big production, loads of stints and horns and all sorts. Um, 
uh, I still, like you said, a, a great voice, but um, yeah, with all that going on and there'd been quite a lot of um, effect on the vocals in many of the mm. songs. It was it was lost a bit. Um, so I was more familiar with her, her first album, um, which is much more kind of jazzy uh, influenced okay. than this one, being a, just a big sort of 80s in-your-face pop style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, very, very different sound from mm-hmm. that. Yeah, at, at its best, you know, it, super fun. Um, there was one song that was clearly a big homage to Michael Jackson, and that was a great one for dancing around the, the kitchen <laughs> too. Um, but then it went the other way in some places as well. There's a song with um, the guy from Biffy Clyro. <laughs> duet, I didn't know that. that oh dear, that's yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to re- real... redo my, my review again now. <laughs> <We're good. laughs> yeah. That was, that was a, a real surprise when I heard his voice. <laughs> yeah. It, sounds, it almost sounds like he's throughout the album. If you listen to the backing vocals, it sounds mm. like he's in there, maybe all the way through. Mm. But that was a, a quite oh, that, low what, on the what album. Matters was, he's Simon Neal, is he? Is that Simon Neal? Yeah, Simon right, Neal, gotcha. yeah. Okay. I didn't know that at all. Right. That was a real low for me, that song. But yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. the least act, it was the least active, mm. it was the least fun, mm. it was kind of slow. Um, so maybe that was why. Um, but yeah, some absolute um, storming tunes on there, like Church Girl. Mm. But yeah, I think I feel like on this, because I'd listened to it a bit before, yeah. Susan Artist I was interested in, before we'd, we'd agreed to do it on the podcast, knowing that it's on the Mercury list as well. Mm. It's going to be listened to a lot more. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm done. Yeah with it now I need a, I really need a break from this album <laughs> I need to come yeah. back to it in a few months and I think I'll, I'll like it again but mm. right now I've, I've had enough of it and it's just got me thinking about the whole longevity of of the 80s and there's so many albums like The Weeknd like Dua Lipa mm. from the last few years that are doing this 80s thing and mm. I feel like I've had enough of that now as well mm. we need we need something else can can the can the nineties come back? Can the noughties come back? Can we get a new influence? Yeah, maybe actually something new would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which part yeah. of the nineties? I don't know. Nineteen ninety-seven. I've no, no idea. Just a, Britpop. <laughs> maybe. Uh, no, don't need a Britpop comeback. But yeah, just uh, not another. Mm. 80s album. So interesting we're doing Janet yeah. Jackson as well, isn't it, on this playlist in a minute. Mm. So yeah, we'll come, yeah. I suppose we'll come back and connect the two. But yeah, when you say about the 80s stuff, yeah, absolutely. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to jump in and uh, yeah, like I think we're all kind of on the same page. Like it's good in parts. It's a medium album. It's solid, but it's, it's to, to, to pick up what you, you were saying at the end there, James, the longevity. I, Initially, when I first liked it, it was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then as the month wore on, I was just like, this is <laughs> no, yeah, no real novelty in this. No. I, I've also uh, picked up on uh, Laura and Vula on the, her first album and was really into it. Mm. And I feel like the issues I have with this is that his, her strength is her voice and all of the stuff going on detracts from her voice. And so... I'm sure creatively this must have been super fun for her mm. to just kind of break free of what she yeah. was maybe doing before. But in doing so, she maybe sacrificed some of her, like, uniqueness. And, it must like, be really, really frustrating, though, just to interject. selling point, almost. Just to interject that, it must be really frustrating for her, like, to have a voice that's that distinctive and strong as to be, to feel limited in that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, is she, yeah. what's she, what is she to do in that situation? She's made a really beautiful uh, album, Mercury-nominated album, and now she's got a sort of, I don't know, she's just... Can she reinvent herself? Is that, it sounds like you're saying she's to stick with what she's really good at. And I can see your point, but I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's a difficult situation, but, I feel like, for her. But there's ways, to, there's ways to do it, right? 
this this album is so full it's so fun and shiny and it's dense with all these like yeah these like rich synths and these like drum machines um that it it kind of just her voice then shrinks a bit almost as a result like she can keep before there's so many people evolving in interesting ways and like her like the way she built music before it it wasn't particularly complicated um but um she could have added more in in a slightly different way and i I, yeah but again again yeah it is one of those things of like if she's having fun being creative then like that's the most important thing for her as an artist Mm. right so so i get get the feeling she made this album for her because she wanted to have fun and Mm. Yeah, yeah I admire that. I mean, I guess the the other part, the other aspect of that is, it, it's for me these songs were fun, but f- to really match this '80s aesthetic, you have to have that earworm. You have to be mm. get right into people's head mm. um, to fully that full homage. Right? Is yeah. you have something like Michael Jackson that's uh, that's never going to leave for decades, and I don't think any of the songs I thought about after the album. That's or a really good point. Actually, I think, be I think able to remember them. I totally see what you say. Uh, that, that's really interesting. I think it's it is a very complicated structure, isn't it? To all the songs, I think James said that as well. Um, and yeah. maybe that means the eighty. You know, I don't know what's the real goal. I suppose you know. You're right. In that sense, it's too complex to be an eighties homage. Um, but it sounds like it's got a lot of eighties influences. Like, yeah, that's really an interesting point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that at all. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not necessarily looking forward to having to listen to this for another month <laughs> before the Mercury. But, yeah. but we'll we'll do it for picky bastards. We'll do Absolutely. it. We'll take one for the team. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's let's go back to James. Do you want to tell yeah. us uh, an album maybe you were more positive about if you've got one? Um, yeah, I will tell you about the Kelly album. Um, cool. So I hate to say it, but if you read Franz review of this album on the site on the site i actually avoided much... reading it because i knew it was coming up on the podcast so okay yeah. well, also i try and avoid reading anything the friend ever writes i just want to put that out there so <laughs> well maybe i'm gonna save you from reading it now because it pretty much <laughs> nailed do. it mm. pretty much nailed it um i'd liken it to sort of catching up unexpectedly with an old friend that you've not seen for years mm. but you instantly mm. have that spark and just get straight back on with straight again so i know fran and i um are big fans of block party who Kelly was the front man for, yep. uh, especially that first album, Silent Alarm. Mm. And it's like oh, going yeah. back back to that in a sort of more nostalgic, more chilled out way. It's, there's still some new stuff on there, but also familiar. It's kind of a best bits of, of the noughties here and there, piecing things together. Um, so songs that it reminded me of from that Block Party album. Um, there's a song called uh, Bluest Light um, and a song on this new album, One Who Held You Up really familiar um, mm-hmm. parallels there um, and sort of not direct homage but sort of just little snippets that sound like other bands that take you back to that time How to Be the Lie Detector being um, the main one that's like a big kind of almost got a, a sing-along chorus you can imagine him being in a tent at Reading Festival with a mm. whole crowd whole crowd <laughs> screaming yeah. that chorus back at him mm. um, it's an emotional kind of punch um and he really comes across, he's always had that sort of seething, angsty tone to his voice, and that still comes across, um, even though the instrumentation is stripped right back because it's just him and his guitar, a mm. um, little bit of piano, there's no drums or percussion on the album. And then got a contrast with these instrumentals as well, which are also really, really very dramatic, 
um, and emotional. I feel like they didn't necessarily fit in with the album that well. They they'd be brilliant for um, some sort of soundtrack. Um, so they're a bit of a surprise, but I didn't hate them. Mm. And then we've also got this cover of a classic song, um, the Bronski Beat mm. song, "School Town Boy," um, which was great as well. And yeah, he's, uh, obviously he's been away from Block Party for several years now, but he's clearly still got it as a, a songwriter and a singer. Um, the song "From a Place of Love" is fantastic um, from that point of view. Um, superb guitar playing. Just yeah, really unexpected gem. This wasn't if if it hadn't come up on this, I, I doubt I would have listened to it at all. Mm. You think, oh, it is Kelly. I used to like Plot Party and, and just never really give it the time of day. But I'm really glad um, I was made to listen to it because it was great. Mm. Cool. Matt, do you want to go? Or should I? Yeah, yeah, I can jump in. Um, so, like, I I did like this album quite a lot. I I liked it uh, more than I was expecting. I was. I've listened to his solo projects um, that he's released so far and I feel like they were just slowly declining. Um, <laughs> and But this was kind of like a complete shift in what he was doing, I think, in, on a solo, in, for a solo record. And I think it's definitely a positive change. Um, it's, much, it's much more like... It's, he Yeah, like you were saying, he's very emo and... That was there with Block Party, but because of the way it is stripped back, it becomes much, that mood is much more resonant throughout the entire mm. song because mm. you don't have that like peppy, angular, dueling guitars at the front and the really like fast paced uh, drums. Um, and so it, it was quite interesting hearing that stylings in, in, in quite like a different backdrop to what it was before. Um, I love that Julian Guitars but, image, by the way. That that sums up Block Party so well, I think. You're right. With that first album. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, with it, I, this is... Block Party are probably the band I've seen more times live than any other band. Really? Like, I, How many times is that, would you I, say? Um, I think around 10 times. Because oh, I used to see... Every time they toured, I saw them. Right. And then they were at every single festival <laughs> I went to. Yeah. Right. And I'd always see them. Mm. Um, and they're always, they're always such good value for money as well. They're fantastic live. Um, but if, if, like for this, I yeah, I I liked a lot of it. But the, one of the things that really annoyed me was I I thought try when it's so stripped back, he maintained the, the same kind of tone to his guitar, and it became a little bit much because it, it almost do, completely dominated anything else he had going on, mm. and like his vocals or whatever else, if there was anything else going on, mm. it just was so I don't know, like felt like it was almost in the uh, like you know when if you, a noise is really loud but also kind of high you can almost feel it in the back of your teeth <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's just me yeah yeah and so i was just like that's it's a bit much i don't know mm. um but i yeah generally it it was good i liked it i just i think for me it felt like a step in the right direction mm. i want him to keep doing stuff like this the uh, the 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 stuff that was just instrumental was amazing. I thought he had amazing. a real skill wow. for that. Okay. I really I really really like that. And um, so yeah, I'm excited for what he does next. Has he done soundtracks? I maybe the, I'm always surprised by what people have done, and I didn't realize. Yeah. Mm. Um, like I wouldn't have. be surprised if he's done like an indie indie film at some point. But mm. um, yeah, he could definitely do it for sure. Okay, shall I jump in? Yeah, go for it, Nick. So, yeah, I often do, like, a long... 
I noticed in myself, I do like a long preamble to like when I make these comments on albums. So I think I'll just cut to the chase and say, I absolutely hated this album. I thought it was <laughs> awful. Really, really awful. But I'll give you now the preamble. Now I've just done the punchline first, which is I've had a tough journey with Pop Block Party in general. So I thought the first album, Star Alarm, was amazing, as did I think every single person in the Western yeah. world, maybe. Um, it was huge, yeah. I know, and it was everywhere. And I did love it, but I saw them live in Boston, uh, must have been about 2006 or seven, and they came across um, pretty poorly. It's funny you say about those, it was so good live. I thought they were really, really? bad live. I really did. They, they had a moment where they were like literally doing like a, I don't know if it's lighters or just waving. They had like a put your arms in the air and wave above your head kind of thing, like clap along sort of deal to get the audience yeah. going. And I just thought, fucking hell, this is so tired. Um, and I just thought they just didn't seem like they gave a monkeys really or had a lot to offer beyond the original tracks. Um, so, um, but there's follow up, there's follow up sounds that, that they did and then that he's done solo, which I have sort of followed to some extent. I think they've got increasingly run out of ideas. And this project, this album, I think, increases that trend, that direction, that trend. Wow. It feels really directionless. It's not catchy. It's not engaging. He has a nice voice. Um, and it, but he's kind of talk, talk singy sort of elements in the start of the album, at least. Um, sort of, I think, deflates the song's energy, several of the song's uh, energy. Um, it feels like he's throwing ideas around, but nothing has sort of melodically caught on yet. Um, so I think on reflection, uh, there was a lot of talk about him personally beyond the band. You know, when, he, when, when the band sort of either split up or took hiatus or whatever, that he was like going to do incredible stuff on his own. And I really feel like he's massively overrated. And I just think it's, it's been an unfortunate to see him continuing to get his attention. Uh, as I've seen several good reviews of this album around and about, um, sort of saying he's, he's, he's on and he's back and all that. And I just feel like other people need the attention, not him, because it's, it's weak. <laughs> So if that's Ouch. not, you want some sparks and you got them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awful. Really it's awful. Weak. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I was concerned that we were agreeing too much last time, you know, I think Sam said that yeah. as well. So yeah, it's good that we, uh, we broke that cycle. <laughs> we did break that cycle for sure. Yeah. I don't think we were agreed on any sounds of them so like far. I, sounds like I, dis- I disagree with Fran as well, then I'll not be able to read his review yeah. and I'm, that, that sort of, you know. Hitting two birds with one stone, really, for the screw with Fran as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> In his absence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Why don't you right. start one, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I'll start one. I, I'm going to talk about, um, let's see. Let's talk about Janet Jackson. Okay. Um, and so I, I thought this was uh, a lot different to what I was expecting. Mm. Um I, I like, when I, immediately when I pulled up all this track listing and I was just like, wow, there's all these interludes in here. And it reminds me of, like, a modern-day album. Mm. I hadn't seen that in an album that was maybe 20... Is it 20? How many, how many years? 30 years old? He's 30. 35 yeah. years old? 35? No way. Come on. Is it? Oh, my Mate, God. That's so depressing. I think it was out in 89, yeah. 90? 80, yeah, it's 89. <laughs> so that's, okay. that's close to 35. Yeah, yeah. 35. <laughs> Sad story. Yeah. So I was, I was technically born when this album came out, but uh, I was definitely wasn't listening to it. Six months. Yeah, thank you. Thank um, you. We always have to get to that point in the episode, don't we? Every yeah, single one. Yeah. yeah so. Well, just to remind you that you're old. Mm, exactly. Do you, do you remember this coming out? Me? Yeah. How um, old were you? I mean, I remember, uh, I was 89. I was, uh, well, 70, 13. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I mean, I heard it and I know she knew she was about and stuff. I wasn't really following. Um, but yeah, I, I was, she was very high profile and yeah, so definitely. Um, yeah. Although her brother, you know, kind of eclipsed her uh, fame for, oh, for, for sure. a number of years, but she, she kept for the sure. credibility longer term, didn't she? I feel like. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's another oh, story. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, I like really like as a concept album, I was mm. I kind of bought in because uh, it did seem to have this kind of theme and narrative throughout. It was trying to do a lot of interesting things, mm. um, which for like what should be, I'm assuming, like a regular pop record at of the time, mm. um, seemed very ambitious. Um, this high, whole idea of this rhythm nation utopia. It's, it seems incredibly simplistic, but uh, like, why, why, why not try for something a bit more interesting than just like create another record? Mm. Um, and it, it did get like uh, quite pointed at times. I thought it was like you have this very iconic sound, and though it does sound a little dated at points, like she's creating like towards the end, she has these, like these ballads. And then um, mm. they're very, very, like, velvety. But then she ends one of them with, like, these drums that sound like a machine gun. And then it starts talking about a school shooting. Mm. And it's just like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's jam-packed full of ideas. Um, and so I did find it very interesting. The, the, the thing I came back to, I actually had a conversation with my father-in-law about this album mm. uh, yesterday. Um and asked him what he remembers from when the album came out. How old was he? And <laughs> don't answer that. Um, don't answer that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, old enough. Okay, old enough. fair enough. And he remembers it being a really big deal mm. and this furore around it and mm. feeling like it was an event. But then when he actually got to the music, he was like, "This is just fine." Mm. And so for me, I, I got drawn into some of the kind of some of the like event surrounding the way the album was dressed, and there's some interesting parts in it. But musically, I, I found much more interesting reading the Wikipedia page about this album <laughs> than actually I listening did that to it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I never did the research. Yeah. I have no idea anything about it's, that. Yeah, so. It's fascinating, but also like, <laughs> I yeah, I'm. It's not going to be something I, I really listen to again. I don't think. <laughs> do you do you want to take us off, James? If go for it, yeah. James. Yeah. But half that Wikipedia page is just the credits. Of all the hundreds and thousands of musicians that were on this album, because right. yeah. the production is crazy big. It's mm. just so much going on all the time. So many ideas crammed into every single song, and then the next one's different. Mm. And um, you kind of said quite a lot of the same things I was going to say, Matt. Um, I, I started thinking about back to how was I aware of it at the time when it came out. Mm. Don't think I was, but the overall sound of it, which, as you said, is really dated now really cliched but that that kind of took me back to just a time where i think i was probably just first aware of pop music be it from the yeah. radio or top of the pops or whatever just whatever that sound is i don't know what you call it just the sound of pop music in 1989 1990 but yeah mm. it, um i feel like i was aware of it at the time without really knowing what it was and mm. haven't really experienced it i guess for many many years and took me right back to that mm. so that was interesting mm. Um, and you touched on the idea of, of the concept album, but wow, it, it, is it really there? It sort of starts like it's going to be. There's these sort of interludes with these new snippings. Um, and then she even gets to a, a point um, where she says, get the point, now let's dance. And that's it. <laughs> and then there's about 10 more songs that are just pop songs. I've got nothing to do with this concept about social injustice and poverty and the crack epidemic that she touches on. And then it comes back to it on one song later on um, in the ballad section towards the end that you mentioned, mm. um, Living in a World That Didn't Make. But any message is absolutely lost in the sticky cheese fondue <laughs> of that ballad song. It's just so confusing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and then well, it even goes. That's what into... Rhythm Nation's going to be like, right? It's going to be <laughs> cheesy and everyone's cheesy gonna be dancing. And... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'd be bullets flying across the dance, dance floor. Yeah. We just ignore yeah. them. Yeah. Dance away at a political crisis, basically. Yeah. So. <laughs> the reason I, I picked it was because I, I stumbled across it on Twitter or somewhere. I don't know, but it seemed to be this huge, huge, huge album with loads of stuff around it um, at the time. But I'd never heard of it before. I'd mm. never considered listening to a, a Janet Jackson album before. And it's weird that we mentioned um, Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro mm. already because. It came around when I was reviewing the Biffy Clyro album last year. Mm. I read an interview with him, and he said he was really, really inspired by this Janet Jackson album. Really? Um, when producing the latest Biffy Clyro album, which I thought was mad. So I thought, at that point, I've got to listen to it. <laughs> that uh, is it's got to go on the, the Piggy Bastards um, <laughs> classic playlist. Absolutely. It's, it's just... So it's obviously got um, a huge legacy to it mm. still, um, but it has yeah. totally escaped me. Fascinating. I think the other thing I was going to mention was that the song Black Cat, out of nowhere, you've got this sort of parody of somebody like Motley Crue or something. Um, but it's an absolute tragedy of music cliche now. It just sounds yeah. so poor. Mm. <laughs> but you've got to be impressed with the sort of ambition of it, the, mm. the attempt at a, a concept. And, um, yeah, the, the production. Uh, wow. Uh, I've not heard anything like that. Mm contemporary i could compare it to mm. even the laura and vula we said there's a lot going on there's that 80s sound this mm. is nothing on yeah <laughs> yeah no comparison that's right yeah of this janet jackson album yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean that's really sorry you, you don't should i jump in yeah yeah, go yeah for i was it. just gonna say yeah, I, go that's so it. interesting you say about that i think that um as i think about what you know what are we talking about when we're talking about 80s you know whether it's laura mavula is is 80s and whether you know obviously this janet jackson is a classic 80s album and i think the scale of it is really one of the big indicators isn't it i mean that you know this is the period of to me uh, when i think back of of these epic albums you know like like uh the mj's albums and stuff like that were all you know, everybody was on them, everybody was featured, everybody was, you know, there were 50 musicians, orchestras, and, you know, it was just a huge exercise in production. Um, and I think you you ask, you you make a really good point as well, James, about the, I didn't, I couldn't, didn't notice that particular phrase, which says, what did she say? Something like, that you heard that, now let's dance or whatever. You've got the point, now let's dance. You've got the point, yeah. now let's dance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that really typifies, um, yeah, yeah. Where, where the problems lie with this album. Yeah, so I mean, I'll back up though and say there were some things I liked. Um, it was very cleverly put together. It was very thought out, very intentful, you know, very, very kind of um, uh, polished and, and styled in a way that wasn't just thrown together. You could definitely say that, you know? And I think there are so many newer artists um, that lean on it, uh, although I wasn't thinking of Biffy Clyro, but there's a lot of other, <laughs> other re- more recent artists who lean on it a lot. And I think that in that sense, it's extremely influential. You have to sort of give a credit for that as well. A voice is, um, you know, pretty much pitch perfect throughout. And I think I'm right in oh, yeah. saying it's before there was any form of auto-tune software. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was in that, in that, last, in that few years period when the auto-tune started to appear uh, but i'm pretty sure she's working you know at least 90 percent um or just pure off her own vocals which is great um and the strongest track as well i thought melodically going into that side of things was the was love will never do um i thought that was kind of you know very uh, kind of beautifully put together um so that's all the positives <laughs> uh now onto the negatives um i thought the um i thought you know it didn't move me at all and i think you you both really touched on on some of the reasons it was first of all the political sides to it, which I, th- I knew it wanted to get in there and try and make those statements. And I realize 
any major artist has has a real dilemma trying to make an album that has any value or sort of meaningful themes because they have to try and throw that stuff in there while still making us what a dance in a club or whatever you know so yeah. That, yeah. that's so difficult and I sympathise with that at the same time this was this was not a successful attempt at that you know as, as I think you both hinted because I think um, you know ultimately she was throwing in ideas here and there um, that weren't uh, really followed through or consistently. Uh, sort of there was no narrative sort of arc to them um so yeah I, I, that was a big problem and the other big problem was the polish um you know while i said it was very uh, cleverly put together it was really uh sharp, sort of sheen on it a kind of polish on it to the nth degree where it just ma- made me feel like it smothered the musicality of it i mean you can stuff a hundred quality professional musicians into a recording but if you make it that like minutely polished it just becomes flat um in fact that's the one i would have picked for the flat uh, you know the, the sort of your question, James, at the start that you picked the, the yeah. stubborn half. I would have gone with Dan Jackson for that because it was yeah. really, really a flat experience, uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, so yeah, I can, I can sort of respect it and see where it's come from, but I certainly won't be going back. And I just felt like it ultimately was swallowed in its own um, grandiose goals. You know, mm. trying to make this massive album, which also covered all these political themes, and as you as you suggested, had all different types of bands involved in it. You know, so yeah, so I wasn't really a fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to think if some of the, like, because we have a lot of pop albums that are succeeding at what this is aiming at these days. Yeah. Um, And so it would be interesting to, to, I don't know, if they were influenced by this or whether it um, is just kind of, it's 30 years old, so Mm. people just don't think about it anymore. I'd be surprised. I would have thought a lot of people think about it. I would have thought it's still hugely influential, but I don't know. do. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have one more regular album to talk about. So, yep. Which you, I think you, you misnamed it, by the way. It's Black Metal, isn't it? Black Metal 2, is that the name of the album? I think you called yeah, it Black Vigil. Yeah, yeah. Black Metal 2 What's, is the name is of the album. Is Vigil his previous It's the album. first song off it, is Vigil. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My, my bad. Your apologies accepted. Apologies. <laughs> Black Metal 2, because oh, his previous album was Black Metal Part 1. That, that would um, So, <laughs> why don't we get James to start us off? Go for it. Sure. Um, so with this, I really didn't know, didn't know what to expect coming into it. Um, obviously, it's called black metal. I was pretty sure before I hit play that it wasn't going to be black metal. Um, <laughs> Were you relieved by but that? But looking at Can the I cover ask? and it being that obvious, well, yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting <laughs> to do a black metal album. I um, I've not listened to any sort of black metal for at least 20 years. But yeah, with the obvious homage to Dr. Dre on the cover, I was then leaning, thinking, okay, this is going to be quite a straightforward hip-hop album. Mm. Um, but then it wasn't that either. And then start listening to it, get into a little bit of a sample here, get into a little bit of groove there. Even some acoustic guitar appears. You get some nice kind of flitty backing vocals, which are pretty nice. And I've just spent a long time thinking about what was going on. And by the time I'd even failed to get my head around it, it had finished 20 minutes, it was done. <laughs> and and yeah. then I'm left thinking, is this even an album at all? Is this <laughs> not just a sort of an EP? It's so short mm. and there's so many good ideas, admittedly good ideas, but they never really fully seem to develop or get realised into full songs. They kind of just go before he's maybe even worked out himself what he's going to do with them. Um, so there's a lot to like in those ideas, but I just felt a little bit cheated like they hadn't they hadn't really had the chance to blossom and become a song that you could really really get into songs that i liked um the zaza it's a good um sort of, i think it's like a kind of sample repeated there guitar riff um and a great groove but even within that short song they're only in it for about 30 seconds and it's almost wasted 
um, the song, I guess you could call it Wusa. Yep. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yep. That was pretty good as well. But then the other side, it, it really did kind of dragged in places. Um, La Raza, that kind of up and down guitar in that just oh, really, really, really slow and kind of tedious. Um, are either of you fans of Peep Show? Yep. Yeah. So in the first, there's an episode where Jez gets a, a job in a recording studio mm. and he decides mm. to step out of his role of making coffee and give the band some advice. And what he tells them not to do is to play how they're playing now. And he says, fucking hell, we're playing the fucking song. When's it going to finish? And that La Raza on this just reminded me of that. It's like, oh, I can't be bothered to strum the guitar properly. I'm just going to go up and down. When's the song? Unfortunately, it did finish in about a minute and a half because none of the songs are very long. Um, But yeah, um, there's a lot of potential here, though, that side. Uh, I'd like to see like the real album beyond this EP or demo or whatever it it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh, but um, I'm a little bit bit stuck Mm. there. I couldn't really get beyond that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in, mm. and I, I I echo a lot of the things. It it did feel like a lot of them were almost de- demos in the sense. Is a lot of his vocals yeah. felt like like voice memos he'd recorded to himself. <laughs> yeah. and he was just like, oh, this is an idea for a song, and I'm just gonna do this, and then maybe maybe we'll do the instrumentation like this. I don't know, and he's kind of roughly putting it together, mm. um, which I think. I like I hadn't heard uh, or didn't really know what to expect um, at all. Um, and when the first like opening track came on, I was like kind of excited because the opening track is very bold. Um, it feels like anthemic. Um, and it has these big like very sinister strings. Mm. Um, and then that kind of very overbearing big noise just gave way to something that was just so laid back and this would have been my answer for flat with three different answers for that (laughs) because it does it has this just kind of hazy atmosphere throughout that while it meanders but it doesn't take you to any high anywhere it doesn't Mm. take you anywhere Mm. it feels like that like the music is uh, or that his voice is so monotone throughout but surprisingly that's actually the thing driving the music forward (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the actual like songcraft uh, or songmanship like surrounding that it feels like he's the voice is actually dragging the song along behind him and um it's just not, not got any like dynamism uh, like uh, dynamic aspect of it like driving it forward at all mm. and that said like even though i feel like i've been pretty harsh with that like i didn't dislike it at any point it just <laughs> made have, me that doesn't really seem consistent with what you just said for the last five minutes <laughs> still, I say. It, just, it just made me want him to like i don't know just spend an extra couple days in the studio polish these songs <laughs> yeah. off and then pretend that you care um <laughs> exactly. and yeah. he, it's it's obvious he's got a lot of talent it's just um the application which sounds incredibly patronizing <laughs> but i'm just like that's what we're here to do is patronize come on that's yeah, our fucking roles <laughs> that's that's what i want from it and uh, it's definitely not what i got mm, okay 
Okay. Right, it's your pick, Nick. So yeah. let us know it what you thought. It was my pick. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. is it obvious that he's got any talent? Is it obvious? I just want to put that question out there first of all. Um, this the, the playlist order. I don't know who saw the who's listened to this ever saw the playlist uh, that we had on Spotify. We ran for last month has Dean Blunt followed by Kelly, and that really yeah. was a one-two punch of absolutely <laughs> shy albums. Oh my god, um, it really was a struggle to get. To, that's what, and maybe that's even why the Law Mavula ended up being quite high for me because. This was a depressing start to an album, a six-album playlist, really, these two. I was really... To me, the album comes across, I think, wants to come across as like a modern-day lo-fi album. And those who know mm. me from this podcast or elsewhere know that Sebado and lo-fi, the, the roots of that are something I've really, really loved and changed, it's kind of changed my musical life, you know. So I, I was really interested in what was went so wrong here uh, in those terms, you know, because it's, it's kind of difficult... Question. I suppose in one way, I think maybe my taste has changed a little bit. So this low production, um, you know, is is uh, less. I'm less focused on it than I was. You know, I really wanted to get to something very, very basic. Thirty years ago, twenty five years ago, and listen to this for this kind of stuff first. Mm. But also, I think it's that's maybe a bit too kind to it because I think bands like Sebado always had something. First of all, beautiful vocals, which this certainly does not have. And really interesting, moving personal narratives, which this also, to me, does not have. Um, as a, this, to me, seems like a kind of drifting, pointless mess. And I think you both indicated the similar things, maybe not quite as strongly as I am right now. <laughs> but that it was such a, a lazy album, in a way. Such a waste of apparently very little sort of time that was put into it. Um, and it felt like it was wasting my time as well. I just didn't know why I bothered, really, except for the fact I was required to for, you know, <laughs> under contractual obligation <laughs> for this podcast. Because it really just felt... He didn't seem to care. The ideas were fleeting, uh, badly pulled through and sort of developed uh, and just kind of half-assed all the way through. Um, And then, as I say, I had to get through all of that and then on to the Calais, which we already discussed. So, you know, just pity me, basically, pity me, because this was a fucking harsh go. Yeah, really. It was was hard, like the the tempo of the first two. Mm. If we're going to start talking about the whole playlist, the tempo of the first two going right into each other, that was... Mm. It was a slog. And it did feel like... Even though Dean Blunt was very short, mm. it did seem to just go on. Yeah, it didn't feel short. <laughs> I agree with you totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck, know, when's this going to end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was sad. Yeah. It sort of felt, in a way, it sort of felt like I want to hear bands still trying to do stuff like love lo-fi production you know like i want to see what that yeah. is but I, I, this is not it or at least i hope this is not what it's become because um this is just half-assed as i say half-assed so yeah yeah <laughs> it's also interesting talking about lo-fi and that after we talked about the 80s excess yeah really, oh yeah, yeah. couldn't be any more different could it yeah i just, totally agree yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure a lot of people just were fed up of <laughs> of, of rhythm nation yeah, and, yeah. Just <laughs> and i think it demonstrates that i'm impossible to please really because dean blunt on one end and then janet jackson on the other and neither one that i love really you know at least no. you know so because one was Go too polished one was not po- exactly yeah exactly yeah so um i don't know it was it was a middle going. ground for nick start listening to <laughs> yeah. radio too what did That's what do you right. reckon to the the playlist james um yeah mixed um ups and downs um Kelly was surprising. Mm. Um, so that's a highlight. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's really damning with fame pros, I've got to say. Your tone right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yes, it was a playlist, I'm basically. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely a playlist. <laughs> I thought I wrote one note for this section and I just went, meh. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. and I've, it was rarely that I've felt when I when it's been a pick of mine since I know the premises that we don't know these albums going into it, and, and everyone should be aware of that. By the way, I just want to make clear: I didn't know this yeah. Dean Blunt was going to be as bad as this. Um, <laughs> but I actually it. got to the point where I was like, felt guilty. <laughs> that I was like, Jesus, why did I pick this shit? You know, so uh, I, do. <laughs> I even though we don't know what what the the songs are going in. I, I do hold you responsible for every <laughs> Thanks pick. very much. Better or worse. That's very kind. Thank you. <laughs> I have such influence over your experience. Um, it was a rough playlist in short for me. I only had, I only had two. Yeah. I thought one, The Stubborn Heart was the best, um, although I, you know, it sounds like James knows more about the previous album. That was better still. Uh, nothing else was great, and a couple of them were absolutely rough, as you know. So, yeah, it was a pretty poor yeah. list on average for me. Yeah, I, I 100% same. I it's a, one of the not necessarily the low watermark, but mm. we're getting pretty close. And <laughs> I, I'm yeah. Now that I know there's a previous Stubborn Hot album, mm. I'm not going to listen to any of these albums ever again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'll listen to the previous. Delete the playlist. Delete the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. So, well, hopefully there was one thing on the playlist that yes. uh, at least some of us liked. And so uh, J- James is going to tell us about New Young mm. Pony Club. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was going to mention the playlist there because we got through the, the slog of <laughs> the, the over-the-topness and the, the boredom and mm. the flatness. <laughs> and I always knew at the end there was the treat of the New Young Pony Club. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I guess I took the advantage of, of picking it this time, uh, knowing that Matt is a fan, at least of the first album. Uh, mm. With no Fran here, um, mm. who I assume would not be a fan yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, <laughs> we're in, me and Matt uh, make up a majority, so I don't really care what you think, <laughs> yeah, Nick, yeah, to be yeah. honest. You don't care anyway, come on, let's be honest about it. Can't be upfront about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, they're a band I've, I've mentioned a lot of times in various places, I've written about them in different places on the site. Um, I do feel like I go on about them a lot. I even got Tom to write about one of the albums for uh, a blind taste test, so it mm. was, uh, I think it was about time that I, I did this. Mm. Um, what I did uh, was pick out... Uh, have a copy of an old, old review that I wrote of them live. Um, what for, uh, not for BBC, for some other site? You mean? No, no, no. This was for this was for this is before the internet. Basically, mm. no, it's not that old. <laughs> um, this is in a, a, a student fanzine, student fanzine called Rhythm Rag. Um, <laughs> Love it. And it's clear that I was I was very much enamoured with them, mm. uh, having seen them. That is the your time. writing high point. I just want to say, nothing you do on PP yeah. will beat that fanzine Thanks. name. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. This is, yeah. Yeah, Love interesting it. reading old old me. Yeah, slightly yeah. embarrassing, um, but yeah, this, this is definitely the point where I, um, I, I fell in love with them, or more specifically, fell in love with her, um, aka Tahita Ulmer, the front woman for this band. Mm. Uh, what I used to do was so it was fresh in my mind, which, um, and also because I probably had a few beers, which maybe <laughs> helped writing, but always come back from the gig and write the review straight away. Right. <laughs> Um, this is going to be great. Fresh, I want to read the whole review, from, please. <laughs> fresh, I'm going to read the whole thing. Oh, the please, cover come bands, on. Uh, the cover bands, the support bands. Um, so I, yeah, I, I introduced Tahita in the first sentence as a sex symbol for the new rave generation. <laughs> yeah, big words. Big words from this unpublished writer there. Um, That's brilliant. And uh, so I'll, I'll skip on and I will say, um, with us already on tenthooks, it was enough for Bulma to strike a palpitation-inducing pose, as if seducing the entire gathering to, utter, to inspire utter frenzy. <laughs> palpitations, love it. You managed to get palpitations yeah. in there. 
It was almost impossible to remove one's gaze from Bulma then almost, despite the band's collective good looks. She seemed to explode with pure sex during set close of the bomb and sustained it beyond the climax and, oh yes, the encore. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting oh insights. Uh, you were the pre Me uh, Too yeah. movement. Yes. <laughs> you got the word climax and then the review as well. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The, uh, okay, the, editor, the editor of, of Rhythm Rag called me a perv after. Uh, but she still published it. So, still ran know. it. Exactly. Yeah. Still ran go. it. So don't give me that shit. <laughs> the chance they might have been desperate. <laughs> um, but, you know, there is, there is more to it uh, than that. Um, <laughs> and just my, my uh, crush on Tahita. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're, they're, they had three albums, although admittedly, I called myself a big fan, I didn't know they had a third album until <laughs> last year. But the first two albums, um, out of my big old pile of CDs, are of one of a very select few that still get played regularly. Mm. Um, I always want to come back to them. Um, at the start, it was very much quite a hype thing um, in that sort of new rave um, era with the, like, so the klaxons and so forth. Uh, but they always went to kind of distance themselves from that. Um, and it's very much their record company pushing them um, mm. to go that way. Um, they later fell out with them. I'll, I'll come on to some of that. Um, but yeah, that was all part of the, the thing at the time. Every house party had glow sticks and laughing gas. Um, <laughs> so it was all wrapped up in that crazy time. But yeah, beyond on um, the looks, which I did touch in in that, in that old review as well, mm. is her actual sort of power it's quite small stature but just the way uh, she could bring the audience up and down i've never ever before or seen or since seen uh, a performer who can do that quite so effectively mm-hmm. um absolute stunning live performance things didn't sustain uh, on that level um like i said it was very much wrapped up in hype mm. they left their album uh, their label started their own label produced their second album themselves mm. obviously a lot lower budget um, but what year was that? Then, that you know, roughly that what, 20, what? 2010. Okay, second right. one came out, mm. got mixed reviews, little attention. I saw them at festival later that year, mm. and they seemed almost visibly upset about the reception to that, making sort of comments to the crowd about like how the new album wasn't any good. Um, mm. and we were really, really trying to reassure them. I mean, someone, even someone in the crowd at the time, hastily made a banner, I don't know out of what, that said, <laughs> No, we love the new album, and mm. held it up. Um, to kind of reassure them but mm. the more you listen to that second album for me anyway it's so much smarter more grown-up reflective um it's not so in your face it's not glow sticks it's more sort of seductively waiting in the shadows um it's actually lyrically much better it, it talks about real issues um and emotions and stuff where there's some all sorts of weird cryptic lyrics on the first album that don't make any sense like the, the word confusianity i don't even know if that's a real word and these these um these characters like the peppermint girl oh no peppermint girl's not done don't know what she, what the hell she's talking about but in the second album they're more actually saying the thing they want to say mm. um things to say about life relationships how they've been judged how how times have changed really and the more i listen to that now still uh really really love that second album mm. Just to be clear, on the playlist, these are in order of release. Is that right? Yeah, they are yeah, basically in order okay. of the, yeah, the yeah, albums yeah, and in order yeah, yeah. that they appear on on the al- uh, right, yeah. on the albums themselves. I didn't mix it up at all. Right, right. Great. Um, but yeah, um, the song "Lost a Girl" uh, on the second album, "The Optimist," is my absolute favourite. Just the moment where that bass just kicks in before the chorus, absolutely stunning. I was driving around the other day in the car, just turned that up as loud as I could on my own, uh, and I was just, nice. just loving it. I was getting 
chills down the spine. Um, mm. Just still, still for that to have that effect on me now, it's totally removed from mm. the sort of fashion, the hype, or the nonsense of the time. Yeah, it was fun when you were 21 years old or whatever. But now, being so much older and still getting that, I think that is the real thing that does it for me still. That makes me miss them a lot. If there was one band, other than like, you know, Hendrix or somebody, mm. if there was one band I could go back in time and see again, it would be Neon Pony Club. And sorry, so where are they in sense of, they're just disbanded and that's it, is it? Are there any? I don't think they ever really officially ended. Okay. They just sort of stopped. Mm. Um, they do occasionally tweet about like, once a year. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something still out there. Maybe yeah. they've moved on to other yeah. things. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was, there was a few lineup changes after the first album. They, they lost their original bassist. Mm. And by the third album, it was just the core partnership of, of Tahita uh, and Andy. Um, okay. the, the songwriting partnership, the other musicians were sort of in the band and they played live, but they weren't necessarily writing the songs oh, yeah. or doing the producing. It was always those two, the creative heart of it. Right. Uh, and after that, maybe they just had enough. Maybe they wanted to do something else for their lives. I don't know. But mm. I, don't think, yeah. I don't think they're necessarily done. Um, they might not be over. They might come back. You never no. know. Well, Lou Hater, whose album I reviewed earlier this year, she was the keyboard player mm. in Neon Pony Club and she's still going, DJing, writing her own music, mm. got her own album out. So mm. I don't know. This is still, don't, give me, don't, give me, don't give me this hope now. Slim, slim. The other one you mentioned was Hendrix. So I think we've got a better chance with this than with Hendrix, have we not? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, stay <laughs> look at it like that. <laughs> Or see how science goes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, the, the, the jokier reason for picking it is so that man Matt didn't have to go and pick another naughty band with a crap name from what I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they were so so refreshing back mm. then because we had that. We've written a, we've written a few of us. I think about landfill indie on the site before, mm. and that just became a sort of identikit grey sludge of the same <laughs> guys from a northern town in skinny jeans and a white t-shirt with a greasy haircut mm. and this was just so refreshing it was totally different mm. coming along at that time it was exactly what we needed mm. and so pleased they did cool right matt what are you yeah that was awesome I'm done. yeah, yeah i can jump much. in because because we actually know that i'm gonna like this <laughs> yeah you knew uh, really well yeah, already this... yeah you knew you were really into it yeah yeah well i i really i know the, the first album very well second album a little bit third album was completely new to me mm. um mm. and yeah listening to this playlist yeah completely transports me back to that time uh like at university wearing yeah. my bright yellow neon belt and rainbow colored t-shirts <laughs> and top man <laughs> and skinny jeans um you, but wear this, I, you I, I still think... wear the neon belt come on oh no that's long gone <laughs> i'm a grown-up now picture that now that'd be amazing when you're teaching and stuff yeah wow yeah neon belt <laughs> But um, yeah, like I, I agree, they st- they stood out, and I think one of the things I I like reflecting back on it is, it felt like a lot of the bands at the time were just like a group of friends who have kind of like a punk album, a punk band or something like that, and then they grab some keyboards and a synth, and then they start making something that's considered new rave. But like yeah. they felt like they were coming almost in the opposite direction, where they had some people who were more interested in the electronic side of things and were better at, at uh, making something that was founded in synth uh, synth pop yeah. and then also put some guitars in because that that really was was the thing at the time and 
and, and it worked a treat. And I, I also really respect your decision not to put ice cream on because that w- was their yeah. song that yeah. made them massive. Um, but it was just a, no- a novelty song. Yeah. That's um, what all the hype and, was. It's not their best song. It was sort of sold no. to adverts, like IBM advert it was on mm. before they even got big. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think there was a, like a big reason why they got drawn into that crowd of like yeah, yeah like you said, Claxons and CSS and all of, all of those guys. Um, but it, yeah, it was really fun going back and and re-listening to this and hearing like the kind of the loose bass guitar and the layered synths and the, the drum machines and and stuff like that. Um, and it, it, the newer stuff was really interesting to touch on as well because it was much more stripped down and it was yeah. leaning more in this kind of electronic direction. So yeah, it definitely was that treat at the end of the end of the uh, mm-hmm. end of the playlist that I got to got to survive through. Mm-hmm everything and then be like yes and it was Party pretty much the, the only thing yeah <laughs> right so what do you reckon nick i said this was so, completely yeah. to you. bring us all down this is, yeah. <laughs> this is um amazingly different experience uh, in terms of our histories with this band i did not know this band at all i had no mm. no i don't know when you talk about their big hit and they were everywhere and i mean maybe mm. i'm just wondering i mean other than the fact that i'm completely inept and know nothing about music uh, maybe the fact that i was in america during this period means i was a lot less well, connected maybe. to some yeah. of these bands because i don't know if they made it over there but i never heard of them never heard of them um for sure and, um, yeah yeah and so. first album was nominated for the mercury it okay from that what year was that would you say i guess it would have been 07 or 08 okay yeah so i don't know yeah. i mean I, I yeah i should know i should be more aware you know sort of things i should be but um no I, I don't i don't think i was aware of them at all uh this is all none of this music was was uh you know was kind of jogged my memory um uh, but i enjoyed it um I, I generally i found it was um it was good and i, I i'm glad i got to discover it because it was again it was something i felt like it was a gap it was a point in time for me when i was in america where i was sort of longing to find more bands you know from this kind of uh period that i sort of felt distant distance from you know so um and uh, and this is this was nice to go back and, and catch up with one of them really in a way so i thought actually interestingly when you talk about all the other bands um, like Claxons and whatever. Um, this band sound a bit more like Talking Heads to me than any other band, honestly. So, certainly the early parts mm. of the playlist, the, the, the fantastic, fantastic playroom is that the one? Is that the album title? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I got, yeah. I got a sort of Talking Heads vibe out of it in terms of um, the different instrumentation put together in kind of. Um, uh, um, how can I put it? Like in these, not garbled sounds pejorative, but you know these kind of like interestingly odd ways. Um, I thought that was that was kind of uh, something that kept, com- kept coming through to me, but I don't. I heard it more on the first album than the other two. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found it. Um, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I, I don't know that I have um, a ton of um, sort of detailed critique or anything about it. Really, um, I thought uh, that first album was more interesting to me than the than the Optimist. Um, and, the, and the the last one and and NYPC, yeah. Um, I seem to, to be able to grab onto that a bit more. And uh, maybe it was this this talking because I'm a big talking heads fan anyway. So that maybe that was yeah, why. Yeah. Or maybe maybe you both think I'm mad to suggest that connection. Yeah, no. but, There's um, more a lot more guitar on the first album mm, than there mm. is later. So maybe right. that's yeah, it might be it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm not going to rip it to pieces as I have done so many other albums today. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to rip it to pieces. That's the gold standard. Uh, no, it was it was good, and I'm I'm glad I got into it. Um, and I will come back to them. Um, cool. But yeah, I, um, 
I don't know, I don't know what else to add really. It was just it was something that was that made me feel um, again the kind of personally the kind of um, gap I have in my own knowledge of of music over that period between when I went over to America in two thousand when I came back in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. I feel there was a very patchy awareness of what was going on. You know, okay. um, yeah. yeah. So well, yeah. now now that now you formed your opinion of them already, you can go and listen to the single Ice Cream. Okay, and see if it see if it rings a bell. Okay, and you All can't right. hold hold it against them. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. And also, I was able to listen to the album without any of the enormous bias that would have been caused by seeing this singer, this incredibly beautiful, moving, <laughs> yeah. sexual, you know, creature of the singer, because uh, I had no idea that was the case. So yeah, but to me, it was just good music. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think we should we need to make that a feature, a regular feature. Everyone has to because I haven't written for anything before, so I can get away with this. <laughs> Yeah, I've got some old blog things to write for and stuff. I'm sure I could pull that out together. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, so thanks for introducing it. Yeah, cheers. Cool. It was. Yeah, it was good. Right. It. So we're all done. Yep. Um, so I just need to remind everyone that they should, if they want to hear more talking about music, they can. Uh, well, if they want to read more talking about music, <laughs> they should go to pickybees.com. Yeah. Um, or they could listen to the, f- the previous 43 episodes of this episode. Or podcast. they could listen to the poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, are also we available a, on that website. <laughs> we have a big backlog. You can yep. spend a couple days solid listening yeah, to us. Yeah, we're always getting the whole full weekend shit. of listening to us. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Lucky people. Uh, and yeah, we're going to be back in like a month's time to talk mm. about the uh, nominations for the Mercury Music Prize. Yeah. And so I'm not going to list them out. Because uh-huh. there's a ton of them, but yep. there's some exciting releases in that, and we haven't talked about most of them, mm. and so it's going to be ex- exciting to go through those. And we'll have Sam um, with us and we're gonna, again. Yeah, is that right? Sam, Sam always joins us for the Mercury, yep. and uh, Fran should be coming back mm. at least for a one-off special. Mm. And so he's going to put with his baby, baby in the garden, screaming in the background <laughs> throughout. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. I give it. I give it a twenty percent chance he makes this. I, we'll see, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, he's he's you know he's, we're he's not going to hold him to it. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no. I'm not going to criticize him if he can't do it. But you know, I just wanted to you know keep a book on it basically and see whether he does it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, until next time. Mm. And thank you, thanks James. For... Thanks very much for coming on. Oh, of course. Just thank me. you, James. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for You're bringing welcome. something good. And again, taking the hit <laughs> by putting something from the uh, noughties on. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Speak to you all later. Bye. Bye bye. Bye.